I am unwilling to give up, that I will start over from scratch as many times as it takes to get where I want to be. I want to be. You just want to make sure you will get knocked down, but just make sure you don't get knocked out, knocked out. So your only choice should be go focus on what you can control, control, control. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Kara Golden Show. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with some of the world's greatest leaders, We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. Hi, everyone. It's Kara Golden from The Kara Golden Show, and I'm so excited to have my next guest here. Uh, Her name is Tanya Taylor, and if you have not seen her incredible brand, uh, you need to uh, stop living under that rock because it is absolutely beautiful, beautiful, beautiful uh, products that you really, really need to look at. Not right now, because first you're going to hear from Tanya herself, and she's going to tell you a lot more about this women's clothing brand um, that is her own name, Tanya Taylor. Uh, but she's here with us today to share more about the brand that she created and her journey in creating it. And I love the beautiful designs, the very artful designs, artful approach, I should say. And I truly can't wait to learn more about how she thought about this and and really her vision overall um, for for developing it and what prompted that to happen. So plus, I feel like with every great entrepreneur that we have on the podcast, you learn all kinds of um, insights into some of the lessons that they've learned along the way and gaining their wisdom. So anyway, without further ado, welcome, Tanya. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So before we get into hearing about your clothing brand, Tanya Taylor, I'd love for you to share a little bit about your journey and just so that we could get a taste for what helped you decide to start this company? Yeah. Okay. So I grew up in Toronto um, and Toronto does not have a fashion industry. So I had no idea that what fashion looked like or what a career in fashion was, but I did have a mom that was incredibly creative and incredibly um, business oriented. So she did both things. She ran a public company of 5,000 men in the oil and gas industry and By day, that was her job. And then at night, she was helping me paint on walls, do paper mache, super, super hands-on. So I thought you could be both things, which I'm so happy to have had that example. And it led me to go to McGill University and study finance. And while I was studying finance, I loved the tools and the skills I was learning, but I didn't have a creative outlet to apply them to. So it allowed me to think about, okay, what could I do that is creative? I ended up going to Parsons after graduating and I did the AAS program in fashion design. And that was when I kind of had that aha moment of, oh, wait, New York is one, my favorite city, very cool. And I had never been, I didn't know anyone. And that there was a career that existed that you could kind of combine both sides of thinking. Um, And it really just let me feel like I could kind of flex all of my muscles every day. And so I had my first job with Mary-Kate and Ashley Olson, and they were starting Elizabeth and James, which was a contemporary brand that really appealed to me at that time. I was 24 years old, and 
they were 24 years old. So it was really cool because I was working with women that were my age. We were designing for a customer who was our age. And I understood the power of following a personal instinct in design and a personal instinct in business. And so I very much on a bad Friday at work had an instinct to leave and I did. And I was quickly told because I'm Canadian, I needed to have a reason to work in the United States. So I decided to start a company. Um, And I would say that that is a little bit of the way I operate. I, I am not the best planner, but I do follow my gut and I really, um, I, I, lead with a lot of passion. So I think I passionately put myself into building a business plan. Thank goodness having some skills and doing that from school in the past. And then I started with one employee and now we are about 40 of us in New York at Union Square. Um, and it's been such a journey. It's been 10 years. I was going to say, how, how many years ago was that? 10 years. Yeah. A long time ago. How often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Okay, maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning, or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program around available on desktop or app, no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn quicker and easier than you ever imagined to. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip. Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. I learned Portuguese through Rosetta Stone, and by doing so, I not only got a better grasp of the spoken language of Portugal, but it got me very excited for the trip itself before I went. They even have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation as you are learning too. They've got you covered. Rosetta Stone's trusted experts are the real deal. They've been helping people just like you for over 30 years, helping millions of people to learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and my favorite, Portuguese. The lessons are five to 10 minutes long and include practical exercises so that you can pick up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. No English translations either, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language you are focused on, helping you get the long-term retention you are looking for. And who wouldn't want that? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Kara Golden Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today today. In today's world, which I will admit can at times seem filled with too much of the wrong information, it's essential to find a good source that truly gets to the heart of what I want to know. 
I am super excited about our next sponsor as I've been a big fan of their content for some time now. That sponsor is the Washington Post. Their depth on topics from business to tech isn't just impressive, it's essential reading for me. Whether I'm catching up on the latest tech trends or understanding how the day's news truly impacts my family, the Washington Post is my trusted source. Let's talk specifics. Their business and tech coverage, absolutely top-notch. Just imagine having the most insightful articles at your fingertips, including the unparalleled AI reporting from Drew Harwell or the pulse on tech and online culture from Taylor Lorenz. And the best part? You can listen to articles just like you listen to this podcast, making it perfect for your busy lifestyle. I was just reading an article from one of my favorite Washington Post writers, Frances Stead Sellers. She covers entrepreneurs like myself, but also covers other interesting topics, including health, as well as some very interesting books. I also love getting their For You newsletter, which is their roundup of stories tailored just for my interests, right in my inbox every evening. The Washington Post app is Super well done, I think. It makes it incredibly easy to stay up to date and follow my favorite journalists on the go. And if you ever thought that the Washington Post is just about politics, think again. They cover everything under the sun, from climate and culture to crosswords and cooking, providing a world of surprising stories and vital insights. Okay, enough of the love fest that I have for the Washington Post. Here's the deal. Being a listener of The Kara Golden Show has its benefits, and this one is too good to miss. Now is the time to sign up for The Washington Post. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's wild. So, you know, it's interesting. I was just speaking to another entrepreneur earlier and who hadn't actually worked in a company where there were founders there. And I, I've always believed that, you know, the founder energy, the soul, uh, yeah. you know, the creativity, the, um, there, there is, so much to learn there. And, uh, you know, for me, I had worked for multiple founders. I never joined those companies because they were founder led. Um, but I think in many ways, looking back, um, my, one of my first jobs was at CNN when it was a startup and Ted Turner running around and nobody thought CNN was going to make it. It was 40% of households. Um, and, uh, you know, we, anytime that Ted walked into the building, you knew he was in the, in the building, like you could yeah. just feel it, right? Like there was just a, um, you know, you wanted to grab his ear, you wanted to kind of hear yeah. him speak about things. And, um, but in hindsight, I think that that also allowed me, um, kind of the courage to know that I didn't have to have it all figured out in order totally. to right, go and create, there's a vulnerability when there's a founder because that founder, if they're willing to share the highs and the lows, it kind of allows, I think, teams and um, employees to feel like they can too. And I I think when I first started the company, I thought that was a weakness to 
show concern or fear. And I really don't feel that at all anymore. And it's, it's interesting because I've never thought of it that way, but I don't think I could ever work. I could never work anywhere that's not founder led because the, the values and the um, direction coming from a person is so meaningful. And like my grandfather started a company and when he passed away, we were trying to consider where to have his funeral and we had it in his office. Mm-hmm. And that was like the most founder led finale yeah. that you could have, but it was because his team was his family yeah. and it was where he put his heart and soul. Yeah. I think it's, it's such an amazing experience for people and it's truly different than, you know, the experience that maybe some of your colleagues who were even at Parsons with you, that if they went inside of a company that was no longer founder led, it's not that they're not going to learn a lot. It's just that a a very, very different um, culture um, experience, whatever it was. But I think what I see is that the best entrepreneurs, um, especially if they've, uh, if they've been inside of a company where that was founder led, they understand exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So I told a friend that I was interviewing you, by the way, and she lives in New York and she was like, oh my gosh, I love her stuff. It's so great. And uh, yeah. So anyway, I told her that I would share. So how did, how have you I mean, 10 years is a long time, but 10 years isn't a long time in comparison to other brands that are out there. How have you generated so much awareness? Um, I've always done things a little bit differently that maybe caught people's attention, probably in marketing specifically. Like when we started, I remember I, I really didn't know anyone, but someone that was helping me with PR said, okay, if you want to break into fashion and you want to catch people's attention, you need to do things that feel personal and that feel outside of the box. And he said, where's your favorite place in New York City? And I was like, the MoMA. I love the MoMA because I love art. He's like, great. You have your fashion show at the MoMA. And I was like, how? Like, are you going to help me? Like, how do I do that? And he's like, no, but I, I trust you'll figure it out. And so I called the restaurant of the MoMA because that's how little access to the MoMA I had. And they thought I was crazy. They're like, yes, you can have dinner, but I know that you can't have a show. And I persistently followed up with every corporate sponsor of the MoMA for months and finally had my first show there. So it was through JP Morgan. They gave me the space and for two seasons in a row. So that helped get some brand awareness. It helps people see that I was here to be different. Mm-hmm. And then I think I've just followed an instinct. Like we launched extended sizing six years ago. That was really before it was, you know, a trend. It was for me an important responsibility. And I've just throughout the time really felt that my my company is kind of my play box or my sandbox play box. I don't know. And yeah. I am here to live in New York to be curious and to be experimental and to test things. And I think that that has been a good recipe for us to have some bold initiatives and really grow. So you touched on the inclusive sizing decision. Can I'd love to dig into that a little bit. Like what made you think 
obviously you're just starting out. Um, it's a little scary because you're not exactly sure what sizes you should be creating. Um, how did you make that big decision? And I mean, it is something that I think you, you've you gained PR and, and marketing from as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, it really came from, again, that responsibility of talking to a customer and making a customer happy that I felt wasn't being made happy through fashion. So mm-hmm. I... My mom was a size 18 as I was growing up, and I really saw a shift in her confidence and her mood between weekends where she could wear stretchy pants and Monday mornings where she had to wear tailored suits. And she just became nervous. Like I think standing up in a you know boardroom and not having the right fitting clothes that represent your personality is hard. And so... Oh. I, I really felt that growing up and I never intentionally started offering extended sizing because of really a marketing reason. It was because I wanted my mom to wear our clothes and I really wanted women that I knew that were really fun and fashion loving women in their twenties to wear our clothes. And I just felt like we were too narrow in our definition of fashion. Um, And, you know, coming from Toronto, I think I've always thought the brand needs to be approachable and it needs to be inviting and be energizing because I felt like an outsider coming from a city that had never really, you know, coming to New York is scary. So I always am trying to break down the scary barriers of fashion. And I think extended sizing and offering that is just one of the ways we do it. So... When you launched your company, you had one employee. What was yeah. kind of the hardest part? Like, remember that day you you had an did you have an office or did you do it out of your home initially? We had our first meeting at Starbucks. Our first day was at Starbucks at the corner of Spring and Mercer or Crosby. Um, and I remember looking at him and saying, "I will manage getting a phone and an office." You manage setting up an email and fabric appointments. And I had known him when I worked at Elizabeth and James. He was the perfect liaison between me and factories. Like I could come up with creative ideas and think about what I wanted the collection to be. And he was the perfect person to actually make the collection. And so I knew he'd be a great partner. Um, It was scary. I think that time didn't exist. I feel like we had you know, fittings at 11 PM. And I don't even think I had Google calendar. Like I don't, it was just, he and I kind of running alongside each other. And it was the only two, it was only the two of us for the first two and a half years. And then we really slowly grew. Like, I think we were still only seven people like five years in and it's really grown since, but it's, it was such a special time in my life. And he is, he, his name's Will McLeod. He's incredible. And um, I just think that it was a partnership that really allowed me to, you know, kind of dream big. Like yeah. I had no injuries. I had no people to manage. Like when you're starting out and you're an entrepreneur, it's kind of an incredible time to, to dream big and just kind of feel that naive naiveness, like being naive with confidence, I think is like the greatest mix at the beginning. It's fun. It's funny. When I think back on those early days of uh, 
producing hint. It, 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 it's people have asked me over the years, like, how do you find people? And I'm like, you know, you think about this and there's like no reason why Will McLeod should have like banked on you, right? Like here, you didn't have a phone. You didn't have, you know, like, I mean, we had, we had people like Will McLeod too, where you look back on it and it's like, I mean, you look for people that are going to do hopefully um, a pretty good job. Right. And you got lucky that you found somebody really great, but you try and, you know, probably the hardest thing is making those decisions that those people are not right for the company. They're not going to help get you um, through next week or whatever. And you've got to make those decisions along the way. But, um, but it, it's a pretty scary time. And I think like anybody who joins a company early on, um, they're, you know, and is willing to make a bet on you, you didn't have what you have today, right? Yeah. You didn't have a lot of experience. Um, no. you'd never started a company. So, uh, there's, there's a lot to be grateful for, right? <laughs> Along with those, you know, you're just sort of like, oh my God, I sort of bullshitted my way in to, you know, getting yeah. this, getting him to believe, but it's, um, yeah. it's pretty awesome. And I think if I knew now what I knew then, I, I don't know if I could have started it. Like right. you do start things because you want to fix something or you want to express something and you don't, necessarily see all the barriers and boundaries because if you haven't worked that long or started your own company, those, those fearful things just pop up along the way. And I think that I really am grateful for the perseverance that he brought to me. Like he supported me, my family supported me through this. And it was, there was never a time that failure felt like it was big enough to stop. And that it's, that's an important, like, but that comes from people around you. Mm-hmm. Where did you get like your motivation? Cause obviously I would imagine you had things like uh, a pattern wasn't cut correctly or you know, like it's yeah. something fabric was, was a total uh, bust or I don't know, something along the way that was a mistake or a failure. Um, but where did you ultimately uh, get the energy to kind of get back up again? I think maybe two ways. I feel like I always was thinking about what's best for the customer from the day I started this. So if there was a mistake, I was fighting for someone else, right? So it kind of makes you not like let all your self-doubt come into your decision-making. You're really thinking about who you're making things for and why you're working hard for that person. So that helped. that helped me stick to um, making things high quality and pushing the company forward and growing the team. And then I think, um, I don't know, probably my mom and my husband are just the best cheerleaders ever. And even the other night I came home and I was kind of feeling down. Um, It's hard. Like you have a resignation, you have a sales week that's not good. And you come home and you're kind of like, Oh my gosh, I just, you know, I'm, why am I doing this? Or like, and I just find as soon as I talk to them, they are just so, they're so good at saying like, not just platitudes of you're doing great, but really digging into the why you're doing it and how to refine the feeling of 
purpose and satisfaction. Yeah. Well, and I think also just finding that uh, the ray of hope, right? Yeah. And, and I, I think if you've got to surround yourself, being a founder, is, it can be very lonely. Uh, and, um, and I think, you know, as I've said many times on this podcast, my, one of my favorite videos is Steve Jobs talking about, uh, how, you know, no one told him that, uh, you've got a, being a founder of any company, you know, is, is hard because you've got to do all the other stuff. And he launches into this whole discussion about, uh, you've got to, make sure that the coffee maker works. And when it breaks, it's like, it's all on Tanya, right? (laughs) Why don't you have a, why don't you have um, this type of insurance or this and this and this? And it's like, wait, we're, we're making clothes here. (laughs) I know so much more like the the mornings I wake up and I panic about whether the AC is going to break in our office or the printer isn't working really properly and how I'm disappointing people. Like I think, my personality, the risk I have in as being an entrepreneur is that I am very worried about disappointing people. And it, it's, it's been something over 10 years I've had to not let paralyze me because as your team grows, you kind of have more people you could disappoint and more people. And it can be a really big mental play that doesn't allow you to be allow you to shine or allow you to like continue on your day job. And I now feel better in the separation I have from those, those feelings. And it's allowed me to lead better. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I totally know what you're talking about. So let's talk about the Tanya Taylor brand. So as you were creating, uh, the incredible brand that you have, and obviously we talked about the inclusive sizing and all the things like what, and, and you love art and, and all of these, but how did you decide like which pieces were going to be the pieces that you were going to be creating and like what you were really going to shine, um, doing? I think it went back to me loving to paint and being, I was always a storyteller through making things. Like even as a kid, if I wanted to tell you that you were my best friend, I would make you a paper mache bear and I would give it to you. And that was like my love language. So when I started the brand, I knew I needed to like embed myself into what was going to be distinctive about us. And to me, that's painting our prints. So our paints are our, our, our prints are all painted. I try to get my hands on as many as I can, and it's a process that I just like love. Um, and I think it's become a part of our storytelling every season is why we love such saturated colors, or why I think you know a watercolored effect to a print is romantic. Like we, we're able to kind of create a mood through the art that we um, we make and. I think it gives a woman a feeling of that she is wearing art and that there is a story behind what she's wearing and there's a thoughtfulness to the process. And we really try to share that on social media. Um, And I think it's helped us stand out. It feels like we're not just trying to make things like be super fast about it. We're really trying to think about styling and what's flattering we're very aware of lifestyle. We are, I spend so much time in change rooms with women. Like it's, 
it's like a second job of standing there and hearing their body issues and where, you know, they're going in things so that the, the brand feels like it's grounded. Like it has this reality to how I want people to wear things, but it's also then had, has this like fantasy of the art that's in it. I love that. So your collections have been worn by women such as former First Lady Michelle Obama and Tracy Ellis, or Tracy yeah. Ellis Ross, that is Beyonce, to name just a few. How does it make you feel when you know that they're wearing your product so proudly? I mean, it's just like you're this girl from Toronto, right? That's painting and oh, it's giving great. paper mache bears away like this is not supposed to be this way right like it's just I mean it's just cool when you make people you're making a product that people are choosing right to which is amazing but tell me sort of what that feeling is it's it's pinch me imposter syndrome to the max happens but I just I feel so grateful I think seeing First of all, a lot of people were us right when I started the brand. And that was the most exciting and really biggest honor because it was the best way that we could grow at the beginning. And what I love is the diversity of women that wear us. Like mm-hmm. we have all ages, all body types, all races. And it's just this, it, I love thinking of the the through line, like what is similar about all these women? And it's that they express themselves through color, through fashion, through using fashion in a happy way. And that's what I've really seen, whether it's, you know, Taylor Swift or Beyonce or Michelle Obama wearing even the exact same dress that is really interesting from a, you know, from a designer perspective. Um, and then they're just like the coolest women ever. Like I got to take my mom to the white house to meet Michelle Obama. And I don't think I can really, I don't know, offer a better moment in life to her again. Like it was the greatest thing that I'll ever do. Well, and I think that the experiences too, that, I, I mean, just building hint for the last, uh, 17 years. I mean, I, I say the same thing. Like there's so many experiences. We actually, I got to know Michelle a little bit through the Drink Up initiative and in a million years never thought that, you know, I'd be working on a um, program uh, with the White House to be able to, to, you know, change health and get people to drink water like that. That to me was just, you know, made me pinch myself too. Like it just, you know, still to this day, even talking about it. So I think like the opportunities, um, Going back to the Steve Jobs idea, it's not just about building a company. It's actually, you know, there's so many opportunities that will come along along the way, like your ability to actually change people's um, minds or lead an effort around inclusive sizing, for example, how many people are going to be watching you and and seeing that you're making these choices and then they're going to do that as well. It's It's a pretty powerful position. And it's not when you intentionally probably you ever thought when you started hint that would happen. So it's like, you always think, I think as an entrepreneur, I always felt I have a voice. I want to use it. It doesn't mean anyone's going to hear it. It doesn't mean anyone is going to make it louder or help spread it. And so as your company grows and you see people find extensions of making it 
you know, incredible that you get to work with the White House on a water initiative. Like it's, I think the biggest thing for me through the 10 years has been to see how other people can bring what I do to a beautiful platform of change or, you know, their own kind of personal expression. And so it's, it's kind of cool. It's almost like a spontaneous combustion of like your idea becomes so much more through others. No, definitely. So funding a company is often really tough for first time entrepreneurs, especially women, diverse, uh, women, um, diverse individuals. Uh, can you share any advice when you look at finding a company, whether it's your own company or, you know, obviously other entrepreneurs that are out there, what do you think is kind of the big thing that you need to do in order to be able to, uh, get the funding you need? I mean, uh, to me, whether it's that I'm being funded or I I am funding, it's all about a trusting relationship with the founder Mm -hmm. um, and an understanding of how much they believe in their business and what they know about their business. So when I started my um, company, I had friends and family invest and it was really important to me that on paper, I could build a three-year plan that was based on what other fashion brands have done in New York that showed what I was good at versus what I was going to hire that other people were good at. And there was a realism about it. And then when I'm thinking about funding businesses, it's really about the person. And so it's, it's interesting how some people forget about how much they matter in their pitches or how much they think it's the product that is going to shine. And it's really like, we all know there's going to be product problems and the product might fail, but if you believe in the person and the way that they're going to bounce back and kind of pivot, um, I think there's so much value in developing great communication skills of your vision and just who you are. Yeah, definitely. When you close your eyes and you think about your brand, what are you most proud of? I don't think we get to do that enough as founders, but it's, but um, I feel like I close my eyes and I think about the 90 things that are on my to-do list. Um, what am I most proud of? I think seeing people happy that are wearing our clothes. Yeah. I, it, to the point of like Michelle Obama wearing us, I am just as happy going on the subway and seeing a girl wear us and knowing She's going to her first job and she chose us to wear and it is giving her confidence. Um, so it's, it's, it's really the, it's really the amount of people that I think we can touch is what probably gives me the most like warm and fuzzies. I, um, you reminded me, I was in, uh, Martha's Vineyard last summer and we were on a ferry and I was sat down on the ferry and there were these two women who were drinking Hint and oh. um and I was sitting right next to them and I I do this often actually I I said oh what are you drinking and they went on to you know they're like oh what flavor is that and you know I'm like oh that's so cool like where where did you get it and and why did you choose it and I do this all that's the time so cool. and um and now people are they're like then they'll look then they'll yeah. like look up who the founder is and then I'll have people who out me like on, you know, afterwards they're like, wait a minute, wait, that's right. you. Yeah. It's and 
focus group. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do these focus groups all the time, but I, I'm always kind of blushing about it because it, it's really, um, it makes people happy and they start smiling and they're like, Oh, this is why I really like it. And, and, um, and I bet you could get the exact same response. Like, how did you pick that jacket? Oh, well it had, you know, it, the perfect shape for my body type or whatever, you know, and I definitely solicit a lot of feedback, but I'm nervous sometimes to go up to people that I see wearing our clothes, but my husband is not nervous. So he went up to a woman at a bar recently and was like, I really like your jacket. Where did you get it? And she thought he was hitting on her. <laughs> and she was like, she's like, I'm married. I, I don't need to talk to you. <laughs> oh, that was awesome. He's like, no, 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 no. My wife designed it. Like, I'm just, I'm just trying to ask you where you got it. Oh, and it was funny. I was like, you just got shot down by trying to do the focus group. That is so funny. That's hysterical. So uh, last question. So wh- when do you know you're successful? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think like, obviously, if I look at some like growth numbers, I can feel successful, but it has to be in your heart. Like it's, to me, it's a feeling. It's a feeling of freedom for me. Like I think I feel successful when I have shared ideas and I feel I have inspired people and I feel my team feels inspired and that the customer is happy. Um, and it's hard to track that, but there's moments that you really feel it. And it's, and maybe this is the worst version of the answer I should give you, but I feel like it's really when I don't want to criticize and change things. Like I feel successful when something has happened and I'm happy with how it happened. And then I don't go in my mind and try to change it. It feels like it was really what was supposed to happen. I love that, Tanya. I'm going to end on that. But thank you so much for coming on. And uh, we'll have all the info in the show notes. Tanya Taylor, so nice to meet you and hear your story. And your brand is absolutely incredible. So congratulations. Thank you so much. I love being on here. Thanks again for listening to The Kara Golden Show. If you would, please give us a review and feel free to share this podcast with others who would benefit. And of course, feel free to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode of our podcast. Just a reminder that I can be found on all platforms at Kara Golden. And if you want to hear more about my journey, I hope you will have a listen or pick up a copy of my book, Undaunted, which I share my journey, including founding and building Hint. We are here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And thanks everyone for listening. Have a great rest of the week and 2023 and goodbye for now. Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness. Successful leaders recognize their fears and decide to deal with them head on in order to move forward. This is where my new book, Undaunted, comes in. This book is designed for anyone who wants to succeed in the face of fear, overcome doubts, and live a little undaunted. Order your copy today at undauntedthebook.com and learn how to look your doubts and doubters in the eye and achieve your dreams. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free case of Hint Water. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Send me a tweet at Kara Golden and let me know. 
And if you like what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Kara Golden. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.